This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. Welcome to the show. That's Trav. I'm Drew. And I'm Trav. This is the Overdue Homework Podcast. And as always, we are here to give you our opinions about 80s and 90s media. Please contact us at podcast.overduehomework.com. How you doing, Trav? Drew, I am riding the nostalgia high that has been the past few days <laughs> watching a lot of Dragon Ball Z and a lot of watches through The Mask. So it's been pretty awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Uh, the Mask has been a joy to do, that's for sure. I have some opinions about The Mask when we're all said and done, but I have, sure. I have some for opinions. Sure. For sure. Some opinions, but I'm doing great. Uh, all of that aside, this is a special episode. Yeah, it is. It's episode number fucking 50. 50. <laughs> Can you believe it? I can't believe it. Did I you can't. think we would ever reach 50 episodes? I did. I, I didn't ever assume we would stop. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I'm Me a neither. savage like that. I totally assumed that we were going to hit 50, and I'm surprised at how fast it's gone by. It's been a couple of years now. That's been surprising, yes. how fast we got to 50. Yeah. It helps that we've been releasing some extra episodes here and there, which yeah. has been fun. Right. Always happy to provide more content. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we planned The Mask for episode 50 specifically. Yeah, a while back. Like, probably a year and a half ago, honestly. Like, it was probably a while ago. Yeah. Because uh, this movie holds a special place in both of our hearts. So Definitely. it's... Uh, it's fitting, especially if you're a day one listener of the Tim and Jim podcast. Tim and Jim. Uh, we're a little bit back to our roots with the Jim Carrey movie here, <laughs> a little back to our roots a little bit, but uh, I'm super excited to get to this episode. Um, we are going to be doing an appendix episode, episode 51. It's going to be on our top threes, favorite moments, what we want to see out of the podcast, whatever the hell we want to talk about for 30 yeah. minutes. And that one's going to release next week. Boom. So be looking for that one, back-to-back episodes again. Bonus. Bonus episode. So, of course, in the production of this podcast, I use some articles from Screen Rant. Screen Rat? Screen Rat. ScreenRant.com by Stephen Brandhuber. What a name, <laughs> Stephen Brandhuber. Yardbarker.com, and that article was by Chris Morgan. Mentalfloss.com, and that is an article by Jake Rosen. Rosen, Rosen, however you want to say it. <laughs> Either way. Either way. And, of course, our homework assignment or our homework review for this episode is The Mask from 1994. It was directed by Chuck Russell, screenplay by Mike Werb. Story by Michael Fallon and Mark Verheiden. 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 Based on The Mask by Dark Horse Comics. Produced by Bob Engelman, starring Jim Carrey as Stanley Ipkiss slash The Mask. Uh, Jim Carrey's paycheck for this movie was tiny. $450,000. Can you believe that? That is crazy. Especially since it's 1994. Like, yeah. he's got some giant movies yeah, in 1994. Yeah, he's at, like, the pinnacle right now. So, comparatively, he made $7 million on Dumb and Dumber. Jeez. Uh, the reason for this... They signed Carrie, the production company signed Carrie on for the lead role before the release of Ace Ventura, Ace Ventura Pet Detective. Oh, okay. So he made this before uh, Ace Ventura was a giant hit. So they're yeah. like, 450000 I mean, $450,000 is still a lot of money still in lot of money. 1994, but it's no $7 million. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Interestingly enough, uh, Rick Moranis, Robin Williams, and Martin Short were all considered for this role. That's interesting. I could see Rick Moranis doing it. I could see Martin Short doing it for sure. He's got a similar energy that to Jim Carrey, just the wackiness. Yeah. But Robin Williams would have been too much like the genie, I think, from yeah. uh, Aladdin. Yeah, he would have been interesting as the mask. Less physical. Right. 
but as Ipkiss, I don't know. He could have done it, but I think it would have been a much less physical role for Robin Williams. It would have been way more about the dialogue yeah. and the rapid fire. It would have been interesting to have him do that because in Aladdin, he ad-libbed so much. There's right. hundreds of hours of um, audio from that movie, apparently, on the cutting room floor. So th- there would have been some golden moments from Rob- Robin Williams, but... Maybe it's biased because it's Jim Carrey's movie, but Jim Carrey is practically the perfect choice. Practically the perfect choice. Watching it, I thought I was interested to figure out who you were going to tell me was also up for the role because this seems like it was written for Jim Carrey. And it, it kind of was, I actually. Mean, he does a lot of similar stuff, like just mannerisms and expressions that he does in Dumb and Dumber and yes. Liar Liar and all yes. that. I mean, it's just classic Jim Carrey. Yes. It's like, here you go. Put on the mask and do whatever the hell you want to do. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. His shtick is on display, yeah. and it's never been used better. No, honestly. I, I love it. So, like we kind of said, 1994 was a really big year for Jim Carrey. The mask proved to be his biggest success out of all of those movies. Can you believe that? It that was bigger than dumber, Bigger than Dumb and Dumber? Right. And Ace Ventura. And yeah. Ace Ventura. It made $351.6 million worldwide on a $20 million budget. That's crazy. So that made it it's his highest grossing movie of that year. I can't believe that, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I guess Dumb and Dumber probably doesn't have the same international appeal that a movie like this does because it's referencing cartoons that the world has seen. Yeah, that's true. But still, Dumb and Dumber was a sensation. Yeah, I agree. Do you think that Dumb and Dumber was a bigger sensation than Mask in your childhood, or do you think it was vice versa, about the same? Uh, I feel like... The mask hits me harder in the nostalgia feels yeah. because it was the first movie I ever saw in theaters. But I think Dumb and Dumber seemed like the bigger movie as a kid. I mean, it seemed like the one I watched more on TV. And I thought about that, too, because I had a similar feeling. Like, mask is more nostalgic for me than Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. I have plenty of nostalgia for Dumb and Dumber. Right. But I was 10 when the mask came out. Yeah. So that's like prime viewage for this movie. Yeah. Even though I don't know if I'd watch, let a 10-year-old watch this movie nowadays. <laughs> yeah, and that was five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, but uh, Dumb and Dumber was that movie that, like, your friend's older brother was like talking about yeah you know so it kind of was like that unattainable slightly more adult movie although kind of six of one half a dozen of the other when yeah. you compare the two movies with the adultness of them. right i agree maybe it's a little more overt and dumb and dumber i guess so uh so max uh max as milo stanley's jack russell terrier peter green as dorian and then cameron diaz as tina carlisle Cameron Diaz had to audition 12 times for her role. In How this is that movie. possible? It's unbelievable. I mean, it's she, unbelievable. Was, she was completely unproven, so we'll get to that a little bit later. Sure. Anna Nicole Smith almost played Tina. I don't know. Her. I know who she is, yeah. but I don't know her from anything. Was she in anything like big time that was a success? Playboy. Other than Playboy. That's it. <laughs> That's it. I mean, she was kind of like the it girl of the mid, early to mid 90s. You know, right, she was right. a big deal at the time in the news, marrying her 90 year old billion dollar billionaire wife or husband. I'm so words. glad it was Cameron Diaz. Agreed. Agreed. Seriously. Even though her lack of experience shows multiple times throughout the movie. But Cameron Diaz, I don't know who else you would have picked in 1994. Yeah, I don't know. She's such a smoke show that yeah. it works for the movie. Meg Ryan in 1994? Uh, Not a smoke show. Right, right. Um, what about uh, Catwoman? Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer? Well, that's interesting. I think she would have come off maybe too powerful. Right. And less like the, you know, like, oh, I'm so a beautiful and adorable yeah. woman. Maybe too experienced. For yeah, maybe too experienced. They could have taken the role in a completely different direction for that one. 
Um, Ortez Matasina as Nico. Ortez Matasina as Nico. He looks like uh, Penny's father from Lost. Yeah. It's not him, but he looks a whole hell of a lot he like does, him. Yeah. He does, a whole hell of a lot. Like I said, this was released July 29th, 1994. Its budget was 18 to $23 million. I don't know somewhere why. Somewhere in there. Somewhere in that range. <laughs> there should be some numbers, some, but whatever. $356 million worldwide, and that is $746.4 million in 2024. A billion, nearly billion dollar comedy. That's crazy. You can't sneeze at three quarters of a billion dollars. No. You just can't do it. The Mask is based on a comic book, and actually those comic books are extremely gory. Really? Yes, extremely gory. The inspiration for the film comes from Dark Horse Comics, uh, the series of the same name, and those were written by John Arcudi and drawn by John Manke, John, Doug, John... Dunk. Doug Mankey. 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 Uh, Stanley Ipkiss in those comic books becomes a violent maniac. So not fun-loving and like trying to be a hero. He's so a violent maniac. He becomes what Dorian does? Basically. Yeah. Kind of, right? So those comics, those Dark Horse comics of The Mask, are considered to be fairly disturbing and some of the most violent of the 1980s. So that's the reputation that this had as a property when they decided to make it into a movie. Yeah. Kind of interesting. So, Trav, are you ready to break this one down? I'm ready to break it down. Let's get to it. Uh, before we start, though, it bears mentioning uh, the animated series that was spawned by this movie. Uh, the Mask is basically a living cartoon character, so it makes sense that it led into a cartoon. Yeah. Uh, Mask, the animated series, aired uh, 54 episodes on CBS from 95 to 97. Rob Paulson, an acclaimed voice actor, was the person who played Stanley. Interestingly enough, the final episode of Mask the Animated Series featured an appearance by Ace Ventura. That's sweet. There was also an Ace Ventura cartoon at the time. Did you watch either of those cartoons? No. Nope. I remember seeing them on. I don't remember what, so it's, I don't remember them being on CBS. I feel like I would have watched them if they were on CBS. Yeah. I don't know why that's a blind spot for me. I have hardly any memories of any, if either of those cartoons. Same. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> So the movie opens up with the mask being discovered off the coast of Edge City. Gonna, Edge City. Got to be one of the most memorable scenes ever. <laughs> Doesn't right. it seem just like right away I knew, oh, yep, here we go. Here comes the mask. <laughs> and, oh, God, the stupid pole falls on yeah, him or whatever. that dude's crushed to death. Just crushed to death. Uh, carry on. Carry on. Kids movie. <laughs> uh, why do you think it was in some sort of a treasure chest? <laughs> Yeah. And there's that weird emblem on it, like showing the mask. Like if you're trying to hide this in the bottom of the ocean or the bottom of this river, why would you broadcast what's inside it? Yeah, seriously. I don't know. I don't know. It's kind of interesting to me. Either way, any way you look at it, that mask is released from its imprisonment. (laughs) And we get that awesome title card. Mask. Mask. That's a great font, right? Of all 90s fonts, that's a great 90s font. Definitely. Great 90s font. We're at the bank, and Ipkiss is a complete buffoon. Just immediately, <laughs> he's a buffoon. You understand that he's a an idiot, sheepish. Like he's just not a not a hip now with it guy. You know, no. Uh, he's totally insecure, insecure. Totally insecure. He's got some concert tickets though for one of his coworkers. Yeah, finally got those concert tickets <laughs> you're looking for. What time should I pick you up? Well, Stanley, you're not going to be picking you up. She used you for free tickets. Yikes. Yeah, right? Uh, well, see the thing is, my friends in town, can you get another ticket? I feel badly in her at home. <laughs> okay, well you're gonna or you're not going to the concert. Yoink. <laughs> yeah, well, no, there's no more tickets. It's sold out. It's sold out. And then you just get 
gets him away. And did you notice when he grabs him, he's got the Looney Tunes thing in his desk drawer? So there's just all these little Looney Tunes Easter eggs and cartoons. I missed that one, but I did see a multitude of the other ones. I missed that one. He's got some random pamphlet that says Looney Tunes right under the tickets in his desk drawer. He is obsessed with cartoons. (laughs) He is. For sure. Stanley is a really nice guy, like you said, so he gives her the tickets, and that's that's it. That's it. Right, Charlie? Charlie is kind of a douche. 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 He invites Stanley out to the Coco Bongo Club. Only the creme de la creme get into that club. Uh, Charlie has an inn at the club, and it's going to be the perfect night on the town. And then lightning crashes for the the first time, because Stanley has terrible luck. Yeah. That lightning is a very obvious cue to something bad going on in this movie. Definitely. Every time, lightning crashes, lightning crashes. It's very funny. Enter a fresh-faced Cameron Diaz. She's fresh-faced because Cameron Diaz had never acted before this movie. Yeah. That's kind of unbelievable. Kind that of unbelievable. Her first movie is The Mask, and just her career just, just totally takes out. She worked as a model before, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> Chuck Russell, who offered the actress her first role ever. Chuck Russell, the director, was who offered her her first film role ever. Uh, turns out that the actress was a natural, and she skyrocketed to fame after the release of The Mask. Roger Ebert even called her a true discovery in the film. That's kind of interesting. Even Ebert was like, yeah, she's good. Yeah. She's serviceable at times. Her acting's not the best all the time. Yeah. It's it's okay, though. It's totally okay. It's it's When you know it was her first movie, you're like, yeah, it's her first movie. Right, right. <laughs> I feel like five-year-old me can attribute her to never going through like a cootie phase that i was you know just there was no no i'm not afraid to admit she's super hot she's <laughs> very hot i know i'm five she's but, very hot yeah. did you like the contra zoom shot when stanley and charlie see her come into the bank they do like jaws made contra zoom like a really famous thing when uh it's when the camera is pulling in physically pulling in and then it's zooming out so oh. it gives that weird dilation effect in the background yeah it's an interesting choice to use that there because in jaws it's used i can't remember the character's name not quint the guy with the glasses he was in sequest Whatever, I can't think of his yeah, name. You know, can't think of his character his name. name. But when he like notices how big Jaws is, that's when they do it. It's like oh, a, yeah. like a big moment in the movie. So I think that was maybe used on purpose to be right. like, here's her their shark of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I maybe. get it. I get it. I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> She's looking to an open. She's looking to open an account with Stanley, and Stanley will gladly fumble through the process for yeah, her. It's amazing. Yeah, it's some really good Jim Carrey stuff, like the pen and the pencil sharpener. <laughs> Gotta yeah. love that. He just, he just jams that. Thing he just in jams the, it in there. <laughs> it's some very the elbow to the desk. It's just some really good acting because the drawer. When you watch that, the drawer is not stuck. It's just some very good Jim Carrey acting. And then of course Tina is seducing Stanley. Yeah. Uh, your tie looks like a lady riding bareback on a horse. That's not overtly sexual. No, <laughs> not at all. And then, of course, the very sexy leg cross and the seductive look as she asks for some Kleenexes to dab her bosoms. Yeah, yeah that, that, that's a thing, you know. She's like, please. And he seems to know exactly what she's talking about. She's like, I'm a mess. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, gives what, a, what do you mean? That's what these are for. It's like. 
no <laughs> no glistening sweat or anything and she's just dab 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 all right whatever i'm just kind of surprised they maybe because it's a pg-13 you'd think that they would have pumped up the cleavage a little bit on her yeah because there's not a lot of cleave true true but you think there'd be more yeah eh, whatever <laughs> that's what they're there for that's what they're there for uh tina has a camera in her bag because she's working for the mob they're the mob right yeah they're the mob and she's working for the mob which that camera is so overtly obvious so <laughs> obvious come on so so overtly off obvious and then too when uh, dorian is watching the footage he says out loud to why don't you slide that to the right there baby yeah and then she does like she can hear him yeah apparently sure, sure, sure and sure, what sure, the sure. hell is he even watching for I like, don't just. Oh, they have a vault. Right. That's, that's it. That's open. Casing. The... That's all. She's just pointing it towards the vault. Right. Oh, okay. They have a vault at this bank. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that seals the deal. There's no way that they'd be able to see those motion capture devices that are in there, whatever they call them, because no. the footage was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you it can't, was terrible. You can't see anything on that footage. And barely any of them were paying any attention, which <laughs> I thought was weird. Because <laughs> right. like Dorian's half-ass paying attention. Yeah. No one else cares at all. They're no. They're just like playing pool and smoking cigs. Air and... hockey. Or air hockey. Air, air hockey. hockey. Uh, I love that they were playing air hockey. To me, air hockey is a very 90s pastime. Oh, yeah. I'm sure people would say, it's an 80s pastime it's a 70s past for me it was a very 90s pastime for sure i was very into air hockey in the in the <laughs> 90s they obviously want to rob the bank and all of a sudden this kids movie turns into a serious mob drama yeah <laughs> flip the switch on just that flip one. it 20 minutes in yeah we meet dorian and the doctor dorian is planning on hitting the bank and taking out his boss nico nico taking out his boss nico uh we get the impression that it's probably a bad idea to go behind the boss's back it seems like nico is not a very forgiving person Correct. it's not deterring dorian one bit though no he's ready to take the reins and be the head of the crime family <laughs> or whatever <laughs> <laughs> back with stanley and he's at the car repair shop both the mechanics are instantly unlikable oh yeah i mean that's the point instantly unlikable they are definitely trying to scam stanley that's their object. Obviously. It's definitely a bigger comment on like shady car shops because if you go to the wrong one, they're going to take you for everything right. you got. Like, what is this thing? I don't know. It looks like about $700. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. That's uh, that's not great. <laughs> Seriously. Your brake drums are shot and you need a new transmission. All I wanted was an oil change. There's no price. Oh, there will be. There will be. <laughs> That's interesting. And then he still signs it. Still signs I, it. I wouldn't sign that. Why not say, give me my car back? Yeah, give me my car back. It's obviously runs. You drove it in there. Yeah, seriously. Whatever. Stanley needs a car for the night, and they bring around the loner. The loner? Yeah, they all look pretty uh, like, the loner. Ugh, the Ooh. loner. <laughs> it's obviously going to be a pile of shit. Uh, <laughs> Did you recognize the auto shop? Uh-uh. So the mask and Ghostbusters have a crossover because the auto shop is the famous firehouse from Ghostbusters. Oh, nice. So it's kind of cool. 1984, 1994, 10 years later. Ten years. And it's cool to see that stuff getting reused. It's uh, pretty interesting. I'm a big fan of Ghostbusters. So For sure. When I read that, I'm like, duh, obviously it's the Ghostbusters firehouse as soon as you see it. Yeah. Now that you know, you'll never be able to unsee it. <laughs> And we finally get to see that car. It is a pile of shit. <laughs> uh, Stanley's pulling up to the Coco Bongo Club. Why would he use valet parking? 
Why? Why? Doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why? It must have been the only option. Apparently. Stanley meets up with Charlie and some ladies, and Charlie pays off the doorman, Bobby, to get him in. But Stanley doesn't get in. Bobby! Charlie! <laughs> then Stanley crosses the rope and is forcibly removed. Watch it. I'm a bleeder. <laughs> That's a great line. I love that line. <laughs> so that seems like a line that you would have heard in Dumb and Dumber from Lloyd Christmas. Right, That's definitely. And this uh, is where we first find out for sure that Charlie's a douche. Yes, that is. Because he doesn't even look back. He doesn't even look back. He invited him. Yes. And somehow they were at the front of the line waiting for him. Yeah. He shows up and 30 seconds later... Peace out, dude. I'm <laughs> out of here, Ipkiss. <laughs> like, okay. That okay. doesn't make any sense. And then he doesn't he have the audacity to ask later, where were you last night? Yes, he does. <laughs> he really does. In the gutter. In the gutter. Why don't you check in the gutter? <laughs> uh, getting tossed on that pavement has got to hurt, correct? Yes. Insult to injury. Stanley gets doused with a puddle from Tina's limo. Yeah, yeah. He does get to see Tina again, and he gets to be extremely awkward again. <laughs> Are you okay? Me? I'm good. I'm just catching some air out here. <laughs> Up pulls the loner behind him. Can you believe this? You drive in a Porsche? <laughs> <laughs> you leave with this? I am very disappointed with you. <laughs> Next, we see Stanley on the bridge. That fateful, fateful bridge. <laughs> After his car literally falls apart. Yeah. Very cartoony. And I appreciate that... Uh, when you watch that and when you watch Jim Carrey kick that bumper off, he falls super hard on the ground. And I can't <laughs> yeah. imagine that did not just kill when he did oh, that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well-timed gag, well-timed stunt with the way that vehicle falls apart completely. Yeah. I thought it was very funny. I liked it a lot. Stanley then spots what he thinks is a man in the river. But it's the mask. It's the mask. Up to his waist in water, holding the mask, it gleams for a moment. It seems as though he's compelled to put it on his face. And then he does go to put it on, and he's interrupted by the police. Yeah. Hey, what are you doing down there? Uh, I'm just looking for my mask. I got it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. It's the best. I love that. It's and then the they leave, apparently. Then they're just like, that's okay. All right, cool. cool. See ya. Peace, man. See ya, dude. <laughs> don't, don't, you don't even need to get out of the river. Don't worry about yeah. it. You're, you got your mask. We're cool. Yeah, See it's ya. not Halloween, and that's weird, but all right. See ya. <laughs> Back home now, and a soaked Stanley walks up to his apartment in a boarding house, yeah. right? Like, yeah. hey, Arnold? Basically. <laughs> that was very weird. Uh, Mrs. Peenman, she seems like a very lovely lady. Yeah, and definitely. I don't think her being named Peenman is a mistake because, you know, Peen, Penis, Dick, yeah. Mrs. <laughs> Dickman. Yeah. It makes sense with her uh, with her personality. Stanley has ruined her carpet and she really lets him have it. You're a big nothing. Aren't you going to go back to the laboratory to get your bolts tightened? I should have said that. <laughs> Inside Stanley's apartment, we meet Milo, his dog. And we learn that Stanley loves cartoons on VHS. Hey, me too. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. He's got quite the collection. Yeah, he this does. Is, it's a good collection of VHS cartoons. Back when you would buy, like, what do you want to call them? Not anthologies, but collections of random cartoons on these VHS yeah. tapes. They would never be in order because it was whatever production company happened to get the rights for these eight Bugs Bunny cartoons. Right. And now we're going to jam them on a VHS tape. We're going to charge somebody $25 for it in 1989, <laughs> and they're going to watch it till it falls apart. For eight episodes. <laughs> for eight episodes. That's crazy. Very, very crazy. Mrs. Peenman does not like cartoons. Stipcast, turn down those cartoons! 
Jones. All right, Mrs. Payman. <laughs> we get the Ben Stein cameo on TV. I wish there was more Ben Stein in movies still. Dry <laughs> red eyes. Yeah. I wish there was more funny. Ben Stein. More Ben Stein. Did you ever watch the game show? Yes. Ben, when, so did I. I Definitely. don't know how you didn't. If you watched the Cartoon not Cartoon Network, Comedy Central yeah. in the mid to late 90s, you watched Ben Stein's Not Money because it was always on. Definitely. <laughs> it was always on. Now that with that Ben Stein cameo, we learn that he wrote a book about wearing masks. Everyone wears a mask to suppress their id or their true self. <laughs> and then finally, Stanley puts on the mask. Thank yeah. God he finally put on the mask. Transforming for the first time. The mask transforms Stanley into everything that he's not. It's his true inner self to an extent. Uh, that's at least what we're supposed to believe if we take the pro the TV program as like a cue for what's happening in the rest of the scene, I guess. Yeah. Jim Carrey, as the mask, is some of the best acting Jim Carrey has ever done. Ever done. It plays so perfectly into who he is as a person, who what his like legit personality is. Right. It's he was meant to play this role, if you ask me. He was I agree. it was meant for Jim Carrey. He truly becomes somebody else at this point. Uh, the Tasmanian devil spin as he transforms. I'm sure you saw Taz on the couch. That's oh, yeah. that's no mistake. Smoking. And now that is a 90s standby catchphrase. Oh, yeah. That is, that is one of the, you can put that in the same sentence as Michael Keaton saying, I'm Batman. I'm Batman. Smoking. Smoking. That's going to peak the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> so Jim Carrey was not meant to wear those fake teeth the whole time that he was in costume. Oh, really? He was only supposed to wear the big fake teeth during silent scenes, as everyone assumed that they would be way too difficult for him to speak in. Sure. Carrie specifically learned to talk with them in to make his character even more cartoonish. Love it. I couldn't imagine in the movie him switching from the large teeth to his regular teeth. Right. It would have been very distracting. Very distracting. Very distracting. So thank you, Jim. Yeah, thank you, Jim. I personally love everything in the hallway with Mrs. Peenman after he leaves because it's it's basically a Tom and Jerry cartoon yeah. or a Bugs Bunny cartoon or something like that. An Elmer Fudd cartoon, basically. Yep. The alarm clock with the giant mallet, Mrs. Peenman wildly firing her shotgun yeah. and the mask dodging it, yeah. jumping out the window and hitting the ground. Look, Ma, I'm Roadkill. <laughs> and then the horn bit on the street is also great. Aruga. Love that. So when he pulls his head up and puts his arm up, have you seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Yes. So at the end, when Christopher Lloyd's character gets run over by the steamroller, I'm pretty sure he makes the exact same movements. Okay. With the hand up and the hand, the fingers wiggling. Yep. Not pulling his, maybe he does pull his own head up off the floor, but I think he just brings his head up. But it's, it's like seemed too much to... It seemed like it just hit me in the brain where I'm like, that is the same scene. Right. Like, right. it was done on purpose, which yeah. paying homage to a cartoon crossover movie is well within what this movie would have done as a. Definitely yeah, makes sense. It definitely makes sense. Uh, next on to the street gang confrontation. It looks very Batman Forever esque out there, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Very Batman Forever esque. So, there was a deleted scene earlier in the movie when Stanley is going to, when he ends up, before he ends up on the bridge and finds the mask. Yeah. The street gang stops him and steals his pocket watch. So, that's why he asks him if he's got the time. Oh, okay. So, that makes sense, right? Now yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. <laughs> 
Look at that. It's exactly 60 seconds before I honk your nose and pull your underwear over your head. <laughs> That's a very good line by the mask. Uh, the balloon animals in the alleyway. I'm a very big fan of it. It's hilarious how the street thugs are captivated by the mask. Yeah. They just act like children at a carnival. It's very funny. The condom gag. Sorry. Wrong pocket. That is a bit rough. I never remember that. No. Period. Period. So that was definitely over my head as a yes. kid or just wasn't on the TV version, I'm guessing. I could see that being edited out for a TV version. I would guess. Because there's I, just no way. I feel like I've seen this movie so many times and I was literally like floored when I saw him pull the condom up. It also took me by surprise. And then I realized it's not just a condom. It's a used it's condom. It's a used condom. That is hideous. <laughs> <laughs> that is hideous. Yeah. Uh, then the mask, he makes a Tommy gun out of a balloon, a black balloon. I cannot stand when he licks that balloon. Yeah. I cannot stand the it. The sound. Oh, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies <laughs> unbelievably. It just makes he gives me chills just thinking about it. I cannot stand when he licks that balloon. After he shoots up the alley, he realizes that he could be a superhero with these with the powers that he has. Work for world peace. But first, <laughs> <laughs> the guys at the auto shop are in for an unpleasant an un- the guys at the auto shop are in for an unpleasant evening, to say the least. Hold on to your lug nuts. It's time for an overhaul. <laughs> oh, boy. The next day, now, we are at the apartment with Stanley. He's exhausted, and he thinks the events from the night before were a dream. I gotta lay off the cartoons. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah, you do. Knock, knock, knock. And it's Lieutenant Kellaway. He wants to know if Stanley knows anything about the disturbance last night. Disturbance? A uh, prowler broke in and attacked Miss Mrs. Peenman. Attacked? Yeah, she unloaded a couple rounds of 20-aught buckshot. You didn't hear anything? Stanley is puzzled and frightened at this point. This is impossible. <laughs> Those pajamas are impossible. This actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> Stanley blames an inner ear problem. Is that a fact? Eh? <laughs> it's a good bit. I yeah. don't know how I don't know how Kellaway doesn't just be like, okay, turn around. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're coming down You're to the police down. station. <laughs> Kellaway leaves Stanley with his card. And is obviously very skeptical of Stanley Ipkiss at this point. Yeah. Call me if you know, if you remember anything, you idiot, because you should have <laughs> yeah. heard it all. Unless you are this person. Unless you are. <laughs> Stanley's late for work, and in his rush to get out the door, he notices the mask on his bed. Deciding it'd be best to be rid of the mask, he chucks it out the window. Yeah. But the mask will not be disposed of that easily. It just comes right back in the window and lands on the couch. Yeah, no problem. Yep, not going to happen. So I wish they would have maybe delve, dove into more of the mysticism behind the mask so we can understand a little bit more about why it's doing the things it's doing. It's obviously a magical object. Right. But just a little bit more on maybe at the beginning after it came out of the chest. There should have been like a flashback of like something famous people throughout history that have had the mask. Right. Just to see that. I don't know. Or at least like the final person who had it and struggled and put it in the chest. Yes. Like got there you it go. Off and put it in the chest. There you go. Some sort of backstory. That would have been good. Later they, what he's speculating, it could have been Loki. Yeah. Could have been Loki could've in been the Loki. mask. <laughs> Loki in the mask. God of mischief. <laughs> So we are at the auto shop again, and the police and reporters are there. I want a proctologist standing by. I want a proctologist standing by. I want the best one you got. Because <laughs> those dudes got those tailpipes up their tail 
tailpipes. Absurd tailpipes. <laughs> Reporter Peggy Brandt questions Kellaway. Was it the mob? There it is, boys. She cracked the case. Get these rubbernecks out of here. <laughs> and then Peggy just walks by the cops and into the auto shop. Yeah. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> no fine. big deal. At the bank and Ipkiss, with Ipkiss and Charlie, where were you last night? Did you happen to look in the gutter? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Tina's in the paper, and that's worth mentioning to Ipkiss, I guess, because, I mean, she was a client of his the day before, but it's a very weird thing to be like, hey, look, Tina's in the paper. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, look. Hey, look at this super hot girl that was here yesterday. And I guess now we're supposed to believe that Stanley is obsessed with Tina to a fault almost at this point already. Yeah. Sure. So Charlie gives him some unsolicited relationship advice. You need a girl that's more down to earth. Someone with red hair, full pouting lips, and a white blouse, green jacket, and a name tag. Wow, you really narrowed it down. <laughs> nope, it's just Peggy looking for Stanley. <laughs> She's investigating what happened at the shop, and Stanley's car was there, so she wants to see him. Oh, that car. <laughs> That's a great bit, how he just totally is lying because he doesn't want to be found out, doesn't yeah. want to be related to this stuff at all. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, that car. Yeah. I'll just fully admit it at this I, point. I don't even have a car. You don't <laughs> own a 89 Civic? Oh, that, that car. car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did drop that off there. Forgot about that. In a twist of fate, it turns out that Peggy. In a twist of fate, turns out that Peggy printed one of Stanley's letters in the paper. He uh, wrote in as Mister Nice Guy. Uh, his letter. His letter was called. Was entitled "Nice Guys Finish Last," and it got a huge response. Lots of women want a guy just like Stanley, even Peggy. Even Peggy. Is it weird that we're doing a movie that also has a lead female character with the name Peggy after we just did one too? To, well, I guess her name was Penny. Was Penny, but he called Is her it Peggy. Peggy. Yeah, so or Penny. <laughs> it's just interesting that the names come up twice now in that is, over three episodes. That is random. It is a little random. Come on, now. We always have that random ass crap. <laughs> it's <laughs> very true. There's just those threads that uh, can join these episodes together. Yep. Some intentional, most unintentional. <laughs> This is one of the first movies of his I've watched in a while that doesn't reference Silence of the Lambs in some way, shape, or form. You're right. It doesn't. I feel like the Riddler he did, Dumb and Dumber he does, and Cable Guy he does, but this one did not. No. And Silence came out in 92? 92 or 1. 91. 91. That is interesting. I feel like something like that would have been perfect for the mask. He always finds a way to put that in, but not in this one. I wonder when he could have done that. Maybe at the very end. Yeah. Maybe at the very end. He should have done it. I'm disappointed now. I wish that that was in this movie. He should have done it. Damn it. Something with the mask, you know, like as if he's Hannibal pulling off the mask. There you go. There you go. That would have been perfect. Anyways, Peggy gives Stanley her number in case he can come up with anything that could help her and her story. And maybe just to give her a call because she seemed pretty into him. Yeah. Stanley is oblivious to her interest uh, to get to know him better. So back to the gritty mob drama part of the movie. Dorian and Nico have a meeting. A golf outing, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nico is none too happy with Dorian working scams on the side. If Nico hit Dorian in the face with that club, it would have been incredibly brutal. Yes. Like, incredibly brutal. Hide your kids, because this isn't exactly a kid's movie anymore. Not anymore. Nico gives Dorian a week to get out of town. So now we're in bed with Stanley for a dream sequence. Uh, He has the Porsche in his dream. He's suave and debonair. Everything he's not. Everything the mask is. Yeah. 
Uh, how did you like the ear licking bit at the end? How did you get? How did they get Cameron Diaz to lick to Jim do Kim? that? Like full on lick his ear. Full on lick it. It's a bit much. It is a bit much. She's probably like, "This is my first movie. I have like no choice. I have to. Do <laughs> I gotta lick him. <laughs> I gotta lick his ear. I <laughs> guess. Lick it. Thankfully, it's only Milo licking yeah. his ear. Yeah. Stanley awakes and willingly goes for the mask at this point, almost like it's drawing him to it. Uh, he wants to live out his dream in real life, and the mask will let him do that, so might as well put that mask on. First, he rejects it. He's like, no, I can't yeah. do it. And then Stanley dives over the couch and emerges as the mask in that iconic, iconic yellow suit. <laughs> Hold on, sugar daddy. He's got a sweet tooth tonight. <laughs> Somebody stop me. But you can't make the scene if you don't have the green. Those are some great, very iconic lines from The Mask, especially Somebody Stop Me. It seems like he said it more in the movie than my memory. Yeah. Like, you know, but just somebody stop me. Everybody said that. Everybody said that in the 90s. Yeah. Everybody said that. So that yellow uh, zoot suit has a little bit of a backstory. It's uh, actually reminiscent of a suit that Jim Carrey wore for his first ever stand-up gig at the Yuck Yucks Comedy Club. Nice. It was a polyester yellow suit handmade by his mother, and the suit isn't as big of a part of the movie as you might remember. It's only in the movie for a total of five minutes. Jeez. For how much that suit is tied to the mask's identity, you would have thought that he wore it the whole movie. Yeah, definitely. He really would have. So if he needs the money, he better make a little stop before he heads to the Coco Bongo, and that stop is going to be to rob a bank. Uh, but so is Dorian's crew. They're going to hit it on the same night. Coincidence? Sure. It's so the movie can happen, right? Yep. <laughs> but the mask already stole the money. Uh, he comes bursting out of that front door, and the cops show up to shoot at Dorian's crew and to have the bank rob- robbery fall on them instead of the mask. Sure. 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 And when does the doctor get shot? We don't know. Yeah. He doesn't, they don't show him getting shot. No. Is he even shot or is he just having a heart attack? Maybe a heart attack. Maybe a heart attack. I don't know. Back at the Coco Bongo Club, the mask makes his entrance. I love the stretch limo gag. Straight out of Looney Tunes. It's very funny how (laughs) it just keeps on pulling up and pulling up and pulling up and pulling up. Uh, are you on the list? No, but my friends are. Perhaps you know them. Franklin, Grant, Jackson. And then everybody goes crazy trying to get the (laughs) money. And he strolls right into the club. Perfect distraction. I mean, he's got a whole, he's got giant bags with dollar signs full of money at his apartment. So might as well waste some money. Might as well. (laughs) So this scene in the Coco Bongo Club is one of the more iconic sequences in 90s cinema, I would venture a guess. And uh, now we present you with the most beautiful flower of the Coco Bongo, Miss Tina Carlisle. And she is still sexy as hell. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Cameron Diaz's singing was dubbed, in case you thought that was her. Yeah, and it was I didn't be- think it was <laughs> And it was dubbed because she's a bad singer. <laughs> she literally just can't sing. Uh, the true singer was a woman named Susan Boyle. Hollywood voice actor and singer. If you go to her Wikipedia page, she's been in a million things dating back to the 1980s to present day. The Mask is enjoying Tina Carlisle's show, that is for sure. So is Dorian watching from above the stage. Yeah, does Dorian give you uh, Dennis vibes from It's Always Sunny? Yes, Dennis vibes and Peter Weller vibes from (laughs) Bakarubanse. But yes, Dennis vibes for sure. Dennis vibes, especially with the weird aggressive towards female parts. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Can't help but think that. 
<laughs> and he looks and he looks like he wears makeup, which he Dennis, does. which Dennis gets caught wearing makeup. He's definitely wearing eyeliner this whole De- movie. Definitely. <laughs> definitely wearing Put eyeliner. Some lip gloss on or something. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> when uh the mask is sitting at that table watching Tina, it's all those classic cartoon bits, the jaw drop with the tongue roll out, the heart beating out of his chest, yep. howling like a wolf, which we see a setup to him doing that in the beginning of the movie at his apartment when they when he pops in that VHS. Yeah, and yeah. it's the lamp too. Is the wolf at the oh, at, yeah. at a street lamp when Yo. he turns on the lamp in the apartment? Dorian at this point is also informed of the botched bank heist. Uh, not being able to contain his animal desires anymore, it's time for the mask to get in on the fun. Let's rock this joint. Very memorable dance sequence between the mask and Tina. They can both dance. Yeah. Obviously, the acrobatics weren't them, but for the most part, Carrie and the um, Cameron Diaz looked like they were doing those moves. Yeah. And Jim Carrey, I bet you, is a really good dancer. Yeah. He's just so physical in that way. Very good. Uh, uh, what is it? Spatial awareness for his body. I was wondering if he <laughs> is the one dancing because it, it, he looks pretty damn natural. Very damn natural. And I tried to watch for someone else being in the mask in a later scene. And it, I mean, it looks like it's him. Unless it really it's does. Anything super crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like when he's tossing Tina around during that dance. I think that part's fake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, would you say that they are smoking? I would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Smoking. <laughs> love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, while Tina and the mask are cutting a rug, Dorian gets called upstairs by one of his goons. We got problems, man. <laughs> Dorian's man, the doctor, is upstairs, and he's not doing very, very well at all. No. Nah. He informs Dorian that someone hit the bank before they could get there and promptly dies. Yeah. Someone hit the bank before we got there. And then I had everyone drag me back to the club and bring me up to the top floor here and plop me down on this chair. And I'm about one puff away of a cigarette from dying. What is happening? Yeah, suck on this. Suck on this. It's a family movie, right? <laughs> here, kids, do this. And then Dorian obviously wants to know, who did this? Who did this? Him, that guy out there. <laughs> the guy dancing with Tina. He's dead meat. <laughs> they straddle that line with swearing in this movie. I wish they would have just gone for it. I yeah. know a rated R movie would have done no money whatsoever for this. But right. the half swearing and the almost swearing. When he's when you're going to say son of a bitch, but then you can say dead meat. And yeah. like, all right, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> So back to the dance, and the mask spins Tina so fast, her head literally explodes. <laughs> Not really. I mean, they share a kiss instead. Yeah. Dorian orders everyone out of the club and confronts the mask. He wants to know where his money is, and he wants to know now. That's pretty two reasonable requests, I guess. Yeah. So, of course, the mask goes in uh, to a bit. An old-timey adding machine is hilarious. Just Love it. Kind of taking... <laughs> Dorian has had enough. Ice this guy. <laughs> what a what a thing to say, ice this guy. Uh, we've already established that the mask can dodge bullets. Yeah. Uh, but dressed as a cowboy, he takes one shot to the gut. You got me, partner. <laughs> I love this, the dying bit with the cops. It's love so, it. so very, very funny. Hold me closer, Ed. 
it's getting dark. <laughs> and, then, and then the last one, the last cough going straight into the face of the henchman that shot him. <laughs> yeah. And then the little fart. Little fart. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Very funny every time. Fart yeah. joke. Make me laugh every time. Oh, every yeah. time. And the little bit of a uh, fourth wall breaking. I wish there was a little bit more in this movie. I do too, but I really like that. Part. Yeah, it seems like something the Max, the Max, the mask would have been all about is talking directly to the audience. Yeah. The mask, he wins an Oscar of sorts. It's not actually an Oscar, but that's what it's meant to be. You love me. You really <laughs> love me. It's also hilarious that the henchman and uh, Dorian also notice the people yeah. that they're all of a sudden. Yeah, and Dorian's like tightening his tie <laughs> fixing up. Fixing his hair. And Orlando's like moving his <laughs> weird little uh, ponytail in the back. Orlando, that's his name. I only know his name because he looked familiar, so I had to look him up, and he's in Double Dragon. Okay. That gem of a movie that we're going to get to yes, eventually. that is. <laughs> the gem that we're gonna get to. I also looked him up because he looked he with that little ponytail looked a whole hell of a lot like the main nemesis in JCVD's Kickboxer. Oh yeah, the Muay it, Thai guy. It's he does. It looks a lot. It's not the same. It's guy. not. It said. I think it said Orlando was in Bloodsport too. Yes. Okay. I don't know if JCVD is in Bloodsport too. I swear he was on the cover of it, but I don't know that he I've would, seen Bloodsport. It would make sense that he's in it. I mean, what else does he have going on besides <laughs> making Bloodsport movies? Yeah. He's made three of them, basically. Spoiler: We are doing a Bloodsport later. This year. I cannot wait. Can't wait. I cannot wait. JCVD. JCVD. First appearance. <laughs> Finally, Dorian realizes, though, that he's being duped by the mask and screams, Enough! <laughs> and then more gunshots at the mask. Then Dorian is interrupted by Kellaway, luckily, just in the nick of time for the mask, and he makes an exit as Dorian is being arrested. As the cop, the, as the cops leave the club, Calloway notices a bit of cloth on the ground. He's a, he's doing a detective work. <laughs> <laughs> it's a piece of the tie that was shot off a little bit earlier in the scene, and it has already turned back into Ipkiss's uh, very, um, very noticeable, not noticeable, very memorable yeah. pajamas, distinguishable, something like that. Calloway Kel- knows that uh, pattern. Ipkiss. Ipkiss. I hate his last name, by the way. Yeah, it's I dumb. hate his last I know it's supposed to make him sound like nerdy and dorky, but right. still hate his last name. Back home, and Ipkiss is waking up once again from a rough night out on the town. Calloway's at the door again. Ipkiss's closet is full of the stolen money. Finally, after jamming all the money back into the closet, uh, Stanley opens the door. Kellaway forces his way in, even though this ain't the best time for Stanley. No. <laughs> Stanley managed to get the money stashed away, like I said. Uh, with the scrap of fabric matching Stanley's PJs as evidence, Kellaway wants some answers. There can't be two idiots with these pajamas. See, uh, that's the thing. Those pajamas were stolen. What kind of world is this when a man's pajama drawer is just no longer safe? (laughs) (laughs) And I feel like it could have been somewhat, somewhat believable. Not really, but kind of if he acted like it happened in the laundry room or something. There you go. The boarding house. There you go. But then he he went too far with the laundry drawer or my dresser drawer. Like, come on. He could have said I had all my laundry stolen from the laundromat. Something. That's a real answer. Right. But no, no, he pushed it too far. But it was still enough for Kellaway because he was like, okay. All right, I'm a shitty detective. See so ya. <laughs> later. We're back at the uh, police station now, and they are reviewing some security footage. Uh, the prints found on the money doesn't match any of Dorian's men, so Kellaway wants bank employees' records and prints from Ipkiss. 
things seem to be unraveling for Stanley at this point. Back with Dorian, and he has 50 grand, 50 grand for whoever finds that green-faced son of a bitch. <laughs> kids movie. Kids movie. Kids yeah. movie. <laughs> Dor- you can throw one of them in there. You son of a bitch. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Dorian wants uh, the green-faced son of a bitch tomorrow and alive. <laughs> He's Do- dead meat. <laughs> Dorian is also very suspicious of Tina at this point. She didn't. Ha- she didn't try very hard not to kiss that green freak last night. Did she really have a choice? I mean, of course she did, right? Of course she had a choice. I mean, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Dorian leaves Tina with a final message. There's going to be payback for anyone that crosses him. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> back at the bank with the dishev- with a back at the bank with a disheveled and very nervous Stanley Ipkiss. The place is absolutely swarming with cops. Stanley gets confronted by his boss and goes off the deep end. Back off, monkey boy, before I tell your daddy you're running this place like your own personal piggy bank. Or maybe we should call the IRS and see if we can arrange a little vacation for you at Club Fed. <laughs> I had to put on the subtitles because I had no idea what he was saying there. I thought it was Club Fat every time. I came. I'm like, this makes no sense. Why would he want to send him to a fat camp? Yeah, fat camp with the IRS? He's going to send okay. him to the camp in heavyweights. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> That's a movie we should get to someday. Definitely. Love that movie. Well, that shut up his boss. That will be all, Lipkiss. That will be all, Oh. <laughs> 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 Charlie is really impressed with Ipkiss and how he told off the boss. He's like, hey, that's awesome, man. I'm a douchebag. Yeah, I'm a douchebag, <laughs> but that was cool. And in the idea to cheer up Stanley, Charlie wants to take him to the Coco Bongo for the big charity ball. Isn't there anything else going on in Edge City besides stuff at the Coco Bongo? No, no. It's the, the biggest, newest, most happiness joint. So, no. Well, everyone's going to be there. Uh, everyone that's anyone, I should say, is going to be there. Stanley is thinking that this may not be a great idea. But just then, Tina walks in. <laughs> <laughs> what is she doing here? She wants to tell Stanley that she probably won't need that account anymore because Dorian is probably going to kill her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or at least fire her, I guess, the, at that best. Yeah. He's probably going to kill her. He probably wants to kill her. Stanley ushers her upstairs for a little privacy. Turns out that Tina is actually looking for the mask because she loves him already after one interaction (laughs) on a dance floor. Yeah. I suppose you would want to see him again. <laughs> I, I know him. We're old college buddies, actually. What luck. What luck. That is a <laughs> coinky dink. Tina should like, w- really? Really? You, that's weird. You would think that would be way more jarring <laughs> yeah. of news. What? You know the mask? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You should probably get, a, get in contact with the police. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something. So Tina asks Stanley to set up a meeting for her. At Landfill Park at sunset. Sounds romantic, Landfill Park. <laughs> the sexual tension between Tina and Stanley in this scene is pretty electric. Oh, it's pretty electric. Why doesn't he just be like, why don't I take you to sunset or Landfill Park? Yeah. No. The methane in the air. <laughs> yep, the, yep, the methane in the air. I bet that place smells wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Next, we're in Dr. Newman's office. Uh, ben Stein, that's his character. Stanley is looking for some answers. Newman says that it may be a Norse mask of Loki. Maybe the Norse mask of Loki. I'm gonna start. Newman says that it may be the Norse mask of Loki, the Norse god of mischief, banished by Odin. 
So the mask is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Amazing. I would say it is. Yeah, that's we, enough for me. That's enough for me. <laughs> so if Jim Carrey's not in the next Avengers movie, uh, that's dropping the ball. That is definitely dropping the ball. That is dropping the ball. You know what? I could have seen Jim Carrey playing uh, Loki. I think that would have been a good role for True. him. True. I don't think I don't think Carrie is on record as saying that he wants to do any superhero movies anytime soon. Right. And not anything against Tom Hiddleston. 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 Right? Yes. I think it's yeah, Tom, Tom Hiddleston. Hiddleston. Nothing against him. He's an awesome Loki. I love He's him as amazing. Loki. But uh, Jim Carrey as Loki would have brought a whole different level of comedy. Definitely. You see those, like, if Avengers was cast in the 90s, there's no way Jim Carrey wouldn't be the one they'd pick for Loki. Though. Agreed. Agreed. That's the only person that it could be. Maybe Doctor Strange. Maybe he could be Maybe Doctor Doc Strange. Maybe he could, maybe he could be But Doc then Strange. he's got the DC, DC and Marvel. I don't know, man. To go off on a little bit of a diatribe here, you heard, like, they're rebooting. Tim Gunn is rebooting the whole DC universe completely from I, the beginning. I think I heard about that. But it that DC universe is not going to incorporate Robert Pattinson's Batman, so we're still going to have two Batman franchises. That's so dumb. So he's going to start with a new Batman. A new Batman. It <sighs> better not be Ben Affleck. It better not be Ben Affleck. His Batman's just not great. I don't like it. It's okay. It's just not great. And I really liked Pattinson, so yes. that's kind of dumb that he's not the obvious choice since he's not super old and works perfectly. But. The tone of Pattinson's Batman movie must not fit in with Tim Gunn's idea for the new DC universe. No, not, he's going to try to do too Marvel heavy, like throw in too much comedy. and Yeah, he's, he, if I mean, he's probably, I, I guess I don't know the man, but I would say his plan would be to uh, mirror Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. 1 as much as possible. Right. Uh, but I just don't. Why do they keep trying to reboot this DC universe? I don't get it. It's good for like two or three movies. Everybody's all about it. And then it just falls apart every time. Every time. Just stick with Batman. Stick with just Batman. Give me Batman movies for the next 35 years of my life <laughs> yeah. and I will be fine with that. For real. I don't need I don't need Aquaman. Yeah. Worry about casting the right villains for yes. Batman. Yes. That's all you need to do. Moving on. <laughs> and if you need an ice man. <laughs> we know who to call. Stay it's me. cool, bird boy. <laughs> so Odin could have banished Loki into the mask? No, Mr. Ipkiss. You're suffering from a mild delusion. That's my best <laughs> Ben Stein. It's not very good. <laughs> Facing skepticism from the doctor, and that leaves Stanley with only one option, and that option is to put on the mask to prove it to Dr. Newman. Yeah. The mask doesn't work. No. <laughs> the whine that Stanley does as he's trying to force the masks and his transformation is <laughs> very funny. <laughs> very funny. Reminds me of Liar Liar. Yes. Where he does that same stuff. The, with like. the arm thing in yeah. the bathroom when he's beating himself yeah, yeah. up. It's like almost the exact same thing. It's so interesting because he reuses so much of his stuff across all his movies. But it always works. It always works. It's always funny. Always funny. Flailing his arms around. Well, maybe it only works at night. <laughs> it doesn't matter because Dr. Newman is only concerned with getting Ipkiss out of his office. Yeah. I don't work with really sick people, but I can arrange a safe place for you to. But I can arrange a safe place for you for tonight if you would like. Stanley just wants some advice. Should I go see Tina as the mask or myself? Uh, Dr. Newman will give him that advice he is seeking if it means Ipkiss will leave his office. Go as the mask and yourself. They are the same beautiful person. And there you go. That's kind of the crux of the mask right there laid out for us yeah. for the first time. Maybe the second time, kind of. Right. It just brings out the true Stanley. 
the true crazy Stanley. Crazy Stanley. Stanley leaves the office, and we see that Kellaway has been following Ipkiss. Not very covertly either. No. Should have been easily seen. Whatever. <laughs> it's a comedy. Yeah. It's a comedy. The Prince on the Money came back, and they are a match to Stanley. That's bad news for Stanley. Later that night at Landfill Park, Stanley has the mask in his briefcase, and the cops are watching from behind a bush. Tina shows, Stanley, what are you doing here? I just wanted to make sure you two met up okay. (laughs) They share some time on the bench, talking about the methane gas making beautiful (laughs) stuff in the sky, not about how it smells terribly. How they, It's hilarious how they're like, can you believe this place used to be a landfill? They turned it into a park. Yeah, the methane... (laughs) And she goes, the green and the black, or the green and the pink. Yeah. And that sets him up to say, I better go. <laughs> I better go. <laughs> like, what? That's such a weird line. So he darts behind a bush and transforms. The mask comes out the other side. And it should be completely obvious that Stanley is the mask now to everybody in the park. Obviously. Where the hell did Stanley go? <laughs> <It's just> the <laughs> only explanation. Only well, explanation. And I mean... uh the cop does call him Ipkiss. Yes, yeah, so. he does, doesn't he? Yeah, he, he does, does call him Ipkiss. He does. Uh, Carrie's transformation into the mask reportedly took four hours in the makeup chair every day. Jeez. Seems like a lot of makeup work for just the face stuff, right? But I guess four hours every day. Carrie did not like spending all that time in the makeup chair. He is quoted as saying that it drove him insane. I bet. Yeah, so he was ready to just unleash and get loose when he's <laughs> up after four hours of sitting in that chair. Exactly. Hello, Shari. We meet again. Is it fate that we meet again? I'd like to think so. Ahahaha. <laughs> Kiss me, my dear, and I will reveal my croissant. I will spread your pail. Or wait, is pate. it p- pate? Sorry. I will spread your pate. I will dip my lady in your vaisseau. Wow. <laughs> I will spread your pate. I will dip my ladle. Like, Jesus. Yikes. <laughs> Not very, uh... The double entendre is not thick. Yeah, it's not thick. It's pretty thin. (laughs) All that gets him is a knee to the dick. Because, I mean, he kind of deserves it at that point. Yeah. She is so coy. (laughs) Some very rapey Pepe Le Pew vibes. Oh, for sure. Have you ever gone, have you gone back and watched a Pepe Le Pew cartoon in the last five, ten years? No, I mean, not since it was banned or whatever. I remember. I just, I really can't believe that that stuff was allowed to be on TV for our generation. It honestly is crazy. He's trying to rape a cat in every episode. In every episode. It's pretty outrageous. It's very yeah, I think outrageous. it was the second Space Jam movie is what made that happen. Yes. Like he got taken yes, out of that. Yes, he did. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Our love is like a red, red rose, and I'm a little thorny. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like a, a quote that would be, a line that would be in like a raunchy 90s comedy, like yeah. Married with Children or something. Because they loved, Fox loved saying sex and horny in the 90s, because it was <laughs> yeah. about as dirty as they could get. Yeah. Well, before any more of the weird cartoon sexual assault can continue, the cops jump in and yell freeze. So the mask does. So he does. Literally. (laughs) Also, Tina escapes. She just like runs off. They don't try to stop her. Just out of there. Probably wearing heels or something running in this park. (laughs) Okay. Sure. One weird thing, though, at the very end of that scene, 
She seems to be into the masks over the top sexual advances. Yeah. She it's, seems like to be into it. It takes a little bit and then she's like, this is kind of cool. It kind of sets like a bad example for young men, correct? I, I agree. No means no. Yeah. You don't want to try to wear somebody down if they don't. That's not how this stuff should Especially work. Especially with how aggressive Dorian is the whole yes. movie towards her and she rejects that. But then it's like. If you're kind of funny, too, then it's okay. You can st- <laughs> still be sexually aggressive yeah. and wear me down until I'm like, fine. Then, fine. <laughs> to all you young men out there, that's not how any of that works. No, it was, <laughs> it was the methane. All right. It Stay was, away. It was the methane. Anyways, put your hands up. But you told me to freeze. All right, unfreeze. You're under arrest. But it wasn't me. It was the one-armed man. Which is from The Fugitive. Yeah. All right, I confess. I did it, you hear? And I'm glad. Glad, I tell you. What are they going to do to me, Sarge? What are they going to do? <laughs> I don't know. I tried to Google those because this one, the one-armed man bit is obviously from Harrison Ford's The Fugitive and the book The Fugitive. I Googled the other two lines figuring they were also from movie references, but I think they're just general like cinema references. Yeah. I couldn't find anything specifically like this line is from that movie. And right. this line is from, I think they're just general cinema references, but none of those things turn, turns out to be Kellaway's department. So Kellaway says, search him boys. Where's a camcorder when you need one. And another Rodney King joke he- in a major motion picture. I thought that too. Like, also in Jingle All the Way. We just did something with the Rodney King joke. Seems like poor taste. Do you think so? <laughs> Definitely. At the newspaper now, and the movie is still introducing characters 60 minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> we meet Murray, Peggy's colleague. I initially thought that he was maybe her boss, but then he's like, you gotta, you're gotta, you going to have to talk to so-and-so, and I'm assuming that that's their boss, actually. Yeah. He's got some info for Peggy, so it's a very convenient character introduction. Ipkiss has been arrested, and Murray's wife is going to be pissed that he has to work, work late again. Uh, you recognize him as an actor? Get on Noni. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah most know. most famously, I think most people listening to this podcast would recognize him as the Cajun coach from Waterboy. Yeah. Obviously. Lots of other movie credits in his uh in his Wikipedia. Uh Peggy spares Murray the anxiety of dealing with an angry wife and takes the story. Uh back with Callaway and the mask, and they are searching his pockets. Got really big sunglasses, got a bike horn, smallmouth bass, <laughs> a bowling pin, which is also on the ground when the when the scene starts between his legs, and yeah. then they pull another bowling pin out of it. So it's two bowling pins, yeah. mouse trap, which is funny when Doyle's hand gets snapped. Oh, ow! Yeah. Uh, rubber chicken. A little to the left. <laughs> funny eyeball glasses, and a bazooka. I have a permit for that. <laughs> and a picture of Kellaway's wife. Uh-oh. <laughs> with Call me lover on the call me lover on the on the picture. Margaret, you son of a bitch. That's another son of a bitch for you. The way he delivers that line, it seems like he's saying, Margaret, you son of a bitch. He doesn't put a yeah. big enough pause in there. Agreed. I mean it's he's not obviously calling his wife a son of a bitch. He's calling right, but right. Just, there's not a big enough pause in there. I figured you'd have a bigger sense of humor. After all, you married her. <laughs> That's got to hurt. After he slaps them both multiple times in the face. That's <laughs> hilarious. And the mask is off while Callaway and his... Cal- Cal- Callaway's a golf brand. Yes, it is. <laughs> and the mask is off while <laughs> Callaway and his partner Doyle are now handcuffed together. Because, of course, it's a cartoon, basically. Yeah. 
Having come to the entrance of the park, the mask seals it with boards and chains because it's a cartoon <laughs> and then turns around to see all of the back pop and then turns around to see all of the backup that was called. It's a great skull, eyeballs, tongue, teeth out of his head gag. Love it. I can't imagine what that took in 1994 to create that in a way that still looks good today. Right. And it was a 20 million, well, 18 to 23 million dollar budget. Yeah, who knows? But you got to imagine just those couple CGI looking moments cost like a fourth of the whole budget. I would assume that. I mean, you know who uh, ILM, inter, inter, uh, Industrial Light and Magic, you know, the George Lucas company, is oh, the yeah. people that did the visual effects for this, for the mask. Oh, nice. And this was the movie that they did immediately after they did Jurassic Park. Oh, okay. And those people were like, it was such a joy to do this movie where it was just wacky, off-the-wall stuff. Right. It didn't have to be photorealistic. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, and they said it was more fun to work on the mask than it was to work on Jurassic Park. Yeah. A lot less work, I would assume. <laughs> I would assume. <laughs> yeah, I would assume definitely a That's lot awesome. less work. And then the uh, iconic, they called him Cuban Pete. <laughs> I love that. The audience saved the Cuban Pete bit, so test audiences saved the Cuban Pete bit. Producers thought that it was too long and slowed the movie down. Test audiences disagreed, so it stayed in the movie and became one of the most memorable parts of the film, obviously. Yeah, I love it. Boom, chicka, chicka, boom. Of course, it's a great bit. Yeah. It's a great bit. It's less memorable than the Coco Bongo Club bit with the Twitina and everything. Right, but because of the Coco Bongo bit, this doesn't seem out of place. It, correct. Which is why I like it. Yes. It makes sense that both of these dance scenes would be in the movie, bookending the movie. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. It's If it would not have been in there, it would have been... I don't know if it would have been weird, but it just seems... That's the perfect place for something like that. Just yeah. pure weirdness, pure goofiness, pure cartoonness. And as much as I love how funny Jim Carrey is and his dancing is amazing in yes. this scene, I love how all the cops just like slowly start to pick up and <laughs> move their shoulders and they can't control it. It's just they awful. get hypnotized. Even like when, a... uh, uh, what is it, Doyle and Calloway <laughs> come over, Doyle right away is getting into it. It's like, oh, that's, that's pretty catchy that's song. That's pretty catchy <laughs> song. I like that. Doyle, get over here. Doyle. <laughs> O'Doyle rules. O'Doyle rules. I was going to say real quick that Murray, who was just introduced to us, which is the Cajun water boy coach, uh, also is the dad in 51st Dates of Drew Barrymore, who keeps using her memory. But I thought it was funny to notice him in this movie because I wouldn't have caught it as a kid that I think of Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler as like my comedic dudes yeah. in the 90s, and he was in both of their movies. <laughs> yeah. He's in a shit ton of Adam Sandler movies, yes. but I thought it was funny that he's in The Mask. That is a, that's a cool point. That's interesting that he's, like you said, you can draw that comparison between Jim Carrey and Adam Sandler as being like the two, one and two, yeah. two and one, however you want to put it, in the For 90s sure. comedy Mount Rushmore. Definitely. That's a cool point, man. I like that a lot. So that costume that he's wearing is a very memorable costume, not as iconic as the the yellow suit uh but it's like his so if the yellow suit is like his normal outfit this would be like his alternative outfit wouldn't you say that yeah if you think of the mask you think of the yellow suit and then you think of his uh conga suit or whatever Definitely. for me at least uh nicholas cage speaking of actors from the beginning of the podcast that almost played the mask he almost was the mask as well that's crazy i could see it I could see it just because he's so damn good as an actor. Yeah, it would have been way more serious. Like, if the movie would have been more 
less comedy and more like gory slasher fic flick. Right, right. Then maybe Nicolas Cage. It would have been way more serious if they if it hadn't come out till now in Nicolas Cage. I think he'd be way more funny and joking yes. around now. Yes. But if he would have done it in '94, yeah, way way too serious. So the only reason Cage didn't get the movie was because Carrie was officially offered the role before Cage could accept the offer. Okay. Uh, Matthew Broderick was also apparently offered the role. No. That is a no. That's a no. That That's is a, a fast no. no for me. It's a fast no. <laughs> fast no. I wonder if they talked about that on the set of The Cable Guy. Right. You know, I was almost up for the mask, and Jim Carrey was like, you were? You were? <laughs> well, good thing they went with me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good thing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> like you said, the mask, he hypnotizes all the cops and the streetwalkers into a giant conga line, which yep. is hilarious. Kellaway is not having it, having it, though, and he's completely unaffected by it. Sure, I guess. Yeah. Whatever. He's completely unaffected by it. So he does his best to wake the rest of the cops from their trance, firing the fakest looking prop shotgun ever. Yeah. It looks so bad. Like, so what is bad. he even holding? It's more like a <laughs> Roman candle. This it is, looks terrible. goes with the running theme that all these cops are horrible shots <laughs> throughout <laughs> the whole movie. Horrible shots. Yes. Uh, the mask, he ducks into an alleyway, and Stanley removes the mask, becoming his old self again. So he's gained some control over the mask, able to willingly switch between himself and the mask. Yeah. All right. I'm sure. I'm sure. That makes the whole idea of him waking up, like, confused about what happened the night before, weird definitely because he would have taken the mask off to go to bed he wouldn't have been in some weird trance at this point he knows what he's doing as the mask and what he's doing as stanley no, Maybe- he's, he's mastered it he's harnessed the energy <laughs> that's the only explanation that's the only explanation <laughs> and it makes it look like it hurts like a son of a bitch when he pulls it off of his face but he doesn't even say ow no at the way end like his cheeks are coming out like Harry's tongue and yes. Dumb and Dumber with <laughs> yes. the frozen crap. Uh, it's just, it's, I can't even believe it. It's another instance, though, of the special effects hand, uh, holding up. Yeah. They don't, it doesn't look great, but yeah. it still holds up to today's, to today's standards. Yeah, it doesn't look fake. It just no. looks painful. It looks very painful. It looks very, very painful. So Stanley ends up being rescued by Peggy. Thank God for Peggy and her Thank Mustang. Thank God for Peggy. As they're being fired upon by Kellaway and company. I missed him. I missed him. Thanks, Doyle. We all missed him. We all missed him. <laughs> I do appreciate that. The cops behind the two, Doyle and Calloway in front, and there's a third cop there. There was two cops behind them. were not firing their guns. Oh, okay. So that's like most movies, everybody would be firing from every level, you know, risking shooting his boss in the back of his right, head. Right. But they weren't firing their guns. I'm like, hey, somebody was like, don't don't have them shoot those guns. It that looks too sense. fake. It looks that makes too, sense. It looks too fake. <laughs> <laughs> Peggy and Stanley are now in the printing room at the paper. Maybe it's the loading dock. Maybe it's both. Yeah. Uh, time will tell, I guess. Peggy saw the whole thing. What's happening to you, Stanley? When I put that mask on, I can do anything, be anything, but it's wrecking my life. Wrecking it. And then he points at the mask. <laughs> wrecking it. Wrecking it. <laughs> Look, I don't know what's happening to you, Stanley. He, he just told you. He did just tell <laughs> you, so listen. You, Stanley Ipkiss, are already all that you will ever need to be. Do you really mean that? Actually, no. What? And then enter Doreen. Yeah, did she have the ears of a bloodhound? Or I don't. How did she hear? So she says she's been vamping for the last 20 minutes. So she just bullshitted for 20 minutes and knew the exact second Doreen was going to walk in. 
just seemed weird to drop her line of, ah, uh, no. Uh, like, what no. if he doesn't walk in in the next millisecond? <laughs> then, then, then what do you do? They sit there awkwardly. Then, then Stanley's like, what are you talking about? Well, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I don't know. This other was really weird. You don't hear a peep until she says that. And then, oh, here comes Dorian and the crew. I really like the idea of there being like five minutes between that line and when Dorian's showing up and them yeah. just sitting there and staring at each other. Yeah. It's like, uh, now what do we do? Now what do we do? Why are we still here? <laughs> so is that really Dorian, like the actor in the mask? I, I'm assuming not. I was wondering if you were going to tell me that someone else plays him in that. No one's credited as being that. So they just like add this super thick veiny neck and uh, then make it. That was the thing that threw me for the biggest loop. I'm yeah. like, his neck looks nothing like no. his neck when he doesn't have the mask on. No. I just can't believe that it isn't somebody else. In the credits, it doesn't say, and pay, playing, you know, uh, Dorian Tyrell's mask. Right. I don't know. It's I couldn't. It's got to be fake because it looks like Arnold and Jesse Ventura's neck combined. <laughs> one. doesn't make any sense. Uh, you got the 50 thou? Give her the money. <laughs> when he pulls, uh, when he puts on that mask, he turns into that green thing. Sorry, Stanley. You're a really great guy. I just can't afford to lose my condo. You know how hard it is to find an apartment in this city. So she did it for the money. Did it for the money. She did it for the money. Stanley is going to get squashed by a printing press. You said you weren't going to hurt him. I lied. <laughs> that's what you, That's what happens when you do deals with crime people, I guess. Stanley, how does that mask work? You just put it on. <laughs> so he does. Uh, it looks way more ominous when Dorian when Dorian wears it than it does when Stanley makes it because he's yeah. he's evil. Cause, and goddamn, is he ugly too? He's just super, super ugly. Super ugly. I feel like he must have terrified me as a kid. I would assume so. It. <laughs> it was a little scary he's, as a as a forty year old. Pretty alarming. <laughs> <laughs> he's pretty alarming as a forty year old. I can only imagine at five years old I was a little scared of him. So Dorian has his thugs go to Ipkiss's apartment to retrieve the money. Uh, they get to the apartment for the cash and inadvertently let Milo out of the apartment. So Dago to save the day. Thank yep. goodness. Milo had a lot of really bad behavior, apparently, on set while they were filming this movie. Really? Uh, according to Entertainment Weekly, the scenes in which uh, were filmed, the scene in the film where Stanley Ipkiss tries to shove the money into the closet using a Frisbee wasn't meant to be. Uh, Milo grabbed the Frisbee and brought it over there. So Jim Carrey, being the talented improviser that he is, just went along with whatever Milo was doing. That's honestly one of my favorite scenes when the dog's just attached to the Frisbee <laughs> and he's slinging him around because it's just like a funny way for the dog to be a dog, even though the dog's super smart and awesome in most of the movie. Yeah. But he can't control his urges to go for that for his No, he can't. And obviously that was the cut that they used for the movie. Yeah. They used uh, Fig Newtons to uh, like get Milo Max, the dog Milo, to actually do the stuff in the movie. That was his treat, <laughs> was Fig Newtons. Fig Newtons. Kellaway thinks he's going to get fired at this point. The only thing that can save his job is if Ibkiss lands in his lap. So he does. <laughs> That works. <laughs> Complete with a terrible green rubber mask. Stanley is in jail, but Milo has sniffed him out and is outside of Stanley's cell in the alleyway. Stanley tells Milo to find a new home, but Milo isn't going anywhere and hunkers down in the alley. And, what a good doggo. And I know Kelly's amped up at this point, but that mask doesn't look like it fits any human, <laughs> let, let alone Ipkiss. You know. Oh, what do you explain this? I would have just been like, 
that's clearly not the mask from the mask. Put it on me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it won't look like anything like what you've seen already, but sure. Sure. Uh, the next morning in the jail cell and we hear the guard, hey, you with the face, you got a visitor. It's Tina. It's Tina. Because she's running away from Dorian Tyrell and she's going to go to Stanley Ipkiss, the man that Dorian wants to kill. That doesn't make any sense. No, it does not. It doesn't make any sense. No, it does not. I guess relative safety at being at a police station. But I she's, guess. She's got to be a known associate of Dorian, so they wouldn't they like be like, you're under arrest? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. And this scene really lays it out for the audience for the third time of what the mask is actually doing to Stanley, if right. you haven't figured it out already. Uh, the mask brings out the crazy love machine in Stanley, and the mask brings out the extra evil in Dorian. Yeah. And we get the setting for the climax of the movie, the charity ball at the Coco Bongo. So there you go. Very inf- informational scene for yeah, us. Yeah. <laughs> One thing, though, it seems as though Tina has actually kind of fallen for Stanley at this point. He's such a good guy, and she's sick of the bad boys in her life, right? <laughs> yep. They almost share a kiss, but it gets broken up, and Tina leaves to disappear. She's gonna. She doesn't know where at this point. She's got no plan whatsoever. Doesn't know, but she's gonna send for Stanley. She's gonna go into hiding and then recontact somebody that's like right in the middle of all this stuff. She, sure, Tina. Sure. sure. But that's not going to happen, unfortunately, for Tina. She gets cornered by Dorian's goons. And Stanley is about to take a middle-of-the-room exposed dump in prison. That sounds <laughs> not, not that sounds like not a lot of fun. No. When he hears Tina scream, uh, he goes to his little window, and he sees that she's being chased. Which, didn't that window view directly into a closed-off alleyway before? It did. It did. It did. Yes, <laughs> it did. yes. <laughs> Moving on, Stanley (laughs) Stanley tries to raise the guard, but he isn't having it. Come on, serve and protect, man. He's just too sleepy. He's too sleepy. (laughs) He just goes right back to sleep. It's very funny. All right. Time to ask the dog for help. Milo. Jump up, Milo. And after a few tries. Put some effort into it. (laughs) Underrated line in this movie. I feel like people use that in reference to other stuff that came directly out of this movie. Flash to Tina being kidnapped by Dorian, and it's not looking good for Tina. Definitely not looking good for Tina. She was planning on escaping out of the city, and Dorian is not liking that. Get her something nice to wear. We're going to a party tonight. They're going to a party, and it's going to be the charity fundraiser at the Coco Bongo Club. Yeah. Milo makes it to Stan- makes it in the Stanley's arms. Get the keys, Milo. And then what does he do? He jumps on the desk yep. and gets a piece of cheese. <laughs> gets the cheese. Not the cheese. Put the cheese down and get the keys. Underratedly funny. That's Def- hilarious. Definitely. When the dog grabs the cheese and just looks at him. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, is this okay? And then, But he drops it. He doesn't eat it. He should have just eaten it. He should have just eaten it. Most dogs would have. But that is funny. And he understands keys because he, earlier in the movie, finds Epkis' keys yes, for Yes, that's so, a good setup. When he pulls off the Tasmanian devil pillow. Yes, so that's another right. Looney Tunes another thing. Looney Tunes. Milo does it. He gets those keys, and Stanley escapes super easily. By assaulting a cop with a gun, knocking him out, and then stumbling upon Kellaway. Yeah. They do the old reverse prisoner bit and walk right out of the police station. Seen it a million times. Sure. <laughs> that makes a whole bunch of sense until they hop in the car in two seconds. Yep. That's the biggest part that bothers me. He's walking with him out the steps. No one pays attention to the behind the back pistol on him. Sure, that's fine. And then Doyle is a doofus, so it makes sense that he lets them go. But then... 
they're in the car in a matter of two seconds, but they're hand they're handcuffed. So the only way to do that is if Jim Carrey had went through the passenger side and hopped over the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and then I would assume even Doyle would have been like, what is happening right now? What are why, you guys doing? Why are you handcuffed together? And why is he driving? <laughs> <laughs> but all right. So the movie can happen. So the movie can happen. <laughs> so at this point, we see Dorian and he is planning on blowing up the charity ball. He's got some explosives in the limousine, some TNT. I don't know how comfortable I'd feel driving around with a bunch of highly explosive TNT at my feet. I sure wouldn't. Nah, me neither. After Dorian changes for the party, a.k.a. putting on the mask, we end up back at the Coco Bongo Club. I like saying that for some reason. Coco Coco Bongo Bongo Club. Club. (laughs) Everybody is there. The mayor, Charlie, and Nico. Those are the people we care about, at least. (laughs) Dorian Dorian makes quite the entrance and literally blows the doors off the place. Who the hell are you? I'm just an ex-employee that's coming for his back pay. Or should I say my payback? He <laughs> says it's so weird, doesn't he? He, he does. But you just did that spot on. That he was does so, it so perfect. What's with the upspeak on employee and back pay? Back pay? Or I'm, should I say payback? <laughs> it's so an ex- weird. I'm just an ex-employee. <laughs> so weird. I don't understand that. Back pay? <laughs> the way he says back pay gets me every time. So weird. Kill him. No, Nico. Kill you. Dorian is a bullet sponge and spits them all back at it. I love that. It's super cartoony. Yeah. Love that. I've seen that a million times in about every Looney Tunes cartoon that was set in the West. Yep. Seems to happen every time. Dorian is now the host for the remainder of the evening, whether anybody likes it or not. Kellaway and Ipkiss make it to the Coco Bongo Club. Coco Bongo Club. Ipkiss leaves Kellaway in the car for backup. And daddy's going to have to go kick some ass. He's a dead man. (laughs) (laughs) Ipkiss rushes into the club. So we're back in the club now. The Coco Bongo Club really does exist. Can you believe that? (laughs) That really does exist. And it's owned by Jim Carrey. No way. Yeah, it's in Mexico. Nice. So you can go visit it. Nice. And apparently, if you go there, sometimes a person dressed as the mask in either the mariachi one or his yellow suit will just show up in the middle of the evening during dinner service nice so that's kind of cool i have zero desire to go to mexico no but with the that would be fun if i do go i'm gonna go to the coco bongo club you could get maybe a real taste of gun violence yeah. i mean it would go along with the movie yeah yeah that'd no be fun f- no offense to my mexican listeners out there i know you guys are listening but yeah Cartel gun violence is a real thing down there. <laughs> it is. It is a real thing. So Ipkiss knocks out Bobby from earlier in the movie, and now he has two guns. Probably not much better for him, I'd say. He no. probably can't really handle a single gun. Probably not. Luckily, though, he uh, hands it off to Charlie in a little while. Tina gets taped to the palm tree because it's time for her big production, a.k.a. blowing up. Blowing up. Dorian has his goons shoot up the pig that's suspended for the, the piggy bank that's suspended from the ceiling with all the charity money in it. Wouldn't that be more of a symbolic thing and not actually be filled with money? Seems yeah. like a bad plan. It, it should have been filled with IOUs. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That would have been hilarious. That would have been hilarious. Those things are as good as real money. <laughs> and I wonder, was part of his big production originally to blow anyone up, or is he just that pissed at Tina that he wasn't originally planning to kill her, you know, like a few days ago, right? But now after all this stuff with Hipkiss and the mask, he's like, I'm going to blow you up. I would bet his main target is probably the Coco Bongo Club. 
because it was Nico's. It's Nico's club, right? right? Right. And he wants to. He killed Nico already, so I don't know. Just add insult to injury. Just add her in. And then yeah, he must just be too pissed at Tina. He's yeah. like, you're gonna die too. Yeah, I'm gonna pencil you in for <laughs> <laughs> for today. <laughs> TNT. You're done for. Well, those explosives, they are set, and Stanley hunts, and Stanley hands that gun off to Charlie so he can get people out the back door, because that's a plan, I guess. I guess. <laughs> and, Dor- <laughs> and Dorian sets the explosives to blow in 10 minutes. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Back with Stanley, hiding under a table. This is the moment of truth when a man shows what he's really made of. Nope. Nope. Drop it, Ipkiss. <laughs> <laughs> Gun to the head. In the car with Milo and Calloway, Milo gets out of the car and runs into the club. Smart dog. Smart dog. How did that dog open that door? He's good at opening doors. He's good at opening <laughs> doors. Cop cars. Yep. Cop which car doors. Usually aren't openable nope, in nope. the back. So, okay. Uh, Ipkiss is hauled up to Dorian, and Tina wants a kiss from Dorian. A kiss, huh? Licking those gross lips. Ooh. What's with the weird, like. Like, it almost looks like slime or something yeah. underneath his lower lip. It looks very, very weird. Very weird. There's always time for one last kiss. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That's amazing. Snake, snake tongue. No. From the real Dorian, the Dorian I love. <laughs> so he takes off the mask. Seems ill-advised to uh, me. <laughs> yeah. And Tina, you know, pulls her leg out of the one strand of duct tape <laughs> that was down there. He doesn't notice. And she kicks the mask out of his hand. Oh, kicks it right out of his hand. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody is comically jumping and missing the mask. Yeah. So is that thing... It's flying at this point. It's flying. Like how it flew back into the apartment, correct? Right, right. It's not it's letting. Not, it's not the real trajectory no. of her kick. No. No. It's, it's not letting anybody grab him. Correct. Grab it. But Max, or Milo, he does. Right. Milo does. Milo gets it. Run, Milo! Run, Milo! He kind of does. Kind of. <laughs> Milo transforms into the mask, and Dorian and Stanley duke it out. I'm going to take you apart! Well, I hope you can enjoy the victory with one friggin' eye. Doink. Doink. <laughs> That's a Lloyd Christmas line. Oh, yeah. All right? That's a Lloyd Christmas line. Milo as the mask is terrifying. Yeah. Is it not? <laughs> yeah, it definitely. is terrifying. So this film was originally meant to be a horror flick. That oh, was the okay. original idea. If things had gone if things had gone to plan originally, uh, we could have seen a much darker and less child appropriate film. Whether or not this movie is child appropriate as it is, it's uh, kind of up in the air. Definitely. <laughs> as mentioned, the mask is based on the very gory Dark Horse comics. Uh, Chuck Russell, the director of the film, admitted that he was that he has admitted that he was originally planning on making the film in a similar way uh, that they filmed Nightmare on Elm Street. He wanted the mask to have a whole horror series. That's pretty sweet, actually. I could see it. Yeah, as much as I love it, I thought that watching, I thought if it was to come out now, it would have to just go darker and be rated R. Yes. Even though rated R movies don't do well nowadays. But I think it would make more sense nowadays. Yes. Because I don't think this would pass for a kid's movie. No. (laughs) I don't, I think the, I don't think it would get a PG-13 by today's standards. I think that they would have, they would have to cut some stuff out for it to get the PG-13 by today's standards. Definitely. The swearing, I think, would have to go. You could probably get away with the rest. Yeah. A few son of a bitches gotta go and maybe that used condom might have to get tossed out. (laughs) Should have been tossed out a long time. Yeah. (laughs) 
The main thing that changed the movie from the horror to the comedy was Jim Carrey being cast in the role. Yeah. They're like, well, I guess it's Jim Carrey, so we'll make it a comedy now. <laughs> He's too damn funny. Stanley at this point is winning the fight with Dorian, or at least he until he realizes he is. I'm winning. And then a punch. Punch. Those punches are also very Lloyd Christmas-like. Yeah. And Milo peeing on that thug. Uh, then Milo, he laughs like Muttley. Do you know who Muttley is? Sounds familiar. So he was a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. If you saw his picture, you would definitely recognize it. He laughs exactly like Milo. Okay. Muttley is owned by a character in the Hanna-Barbera universe whose name is Dick Dastardly. Dick Dastardly. That's a terrible name. Yeah, <laughs> Thanks, Hanna-Barbera. Stanley punches out Dorian, and Milo temporary takes care, temporarily takes care of some of those goons. The goons regroup, and Stanley jumps behind the bar that's getting shot up. Out emerges the mask. Did you miss me? Love the drink pouring out of the bullet holes bit. Love it. Just leaning into the Looney Tunes. Yeah. It's hilarious every time. I guess not. I gotta ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do ya? <laughs> they shouldn't feel very lucky with what the mask is packing. No. That turns out to be a false flag of sorts, the bang flags. Yep, yep. Hilarious. Awesome. I love it. I forgot that that was the case on the first too. rewatch for the homework. I was like, ah, love it. That's yeah, hilarious. It's awesome. I love it. Go watch yourself some Looney Tunes if any of these references don't make any sense. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go watch yourself any Looney Tunes cartoon. You'll run across all of them probably. For real. So now there's second le seconds left on the bomb, so he eats it because he's a cartoon. Yeah. It's a great cartoon yeah. bit. And that's a spicy meatball. Thank you for using the hand. <laughs> Dorian is not done yet. This guy's incorrigible. <laughs> and then he paints on the flush knob, which is something I've seen in a million different Looney Tune cartoons. Yeah. And Dorian goes down the drain. Down the drain. <laughs> Stanley takes off the mask and the cops storm the club. As they exit, Calloway still wants to arrest Ipkiss. Stop that man! Stop him! Stop him! But the mayor stops Calloway. That's not the mask. That young man saved our lives. Nothing any American with balls of steel wouldn't do for his community. Milo, come on. <laughs> now that's an Ace Ventura line, right? Yeah. <laughs> Milo has the mask, because of course he does, and the mayor wants to see Kellaway in the morning. So why does Kellaway get such a bad break at the end of this movie? He's just being a cop, doing like a good job. Like He's not corrupt. Nope. He's not falsely accusing anybody of these things. No. Nope. Ipkiss is doing this stuff. Yep. You know, He wants to take down Dorian. He wants to take down Nico and their whole thing. But he catches such a bad rap at the end of the movie. Yeah, he does. I feel kind of bad for him. He's not the villain of the movie. No, he's not. He should have he should have been able to maybe be on Stanley's side at the end, like put an arm around him and like, Stanley, I was wrong about you. Right. Thanks right. for saving the day. But those pajamas are horrible. Yeah, there you go. That would have been a better ending for him. So at the end of the movie now, uh, we're back on the same bridge from the beginning it doesn't look quite the same is it supposed to represent the same bridge is it just a different bridge i don't know i'm just gonna say it's the same bridge i'm gonna say it's the same bridge. sure it's the same bridge and they're gonna be tossing out the mask you sure you want to get rid of this thing once it's gone all that's left is me <laughs> so tina tosses it into the river Ooh, romantic romantic charlie and milo they go after it though and milo gets it even though Milo was still in the car when Charlie jumped over the edge. Right. Sure. 
<laughs> and Stanley gets the girl. Smoking. Roll credits, everybody. Roll credits. Uh, so you know about the sequel? Did you ever see the sequel to this movie? I never saw it. The Son of the Yes. Mask? I never saw it either. Never saw it. It's Jamie Kennedy as Jamie the Jamie Kennedy, yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. New Line Cinema obviously wanted a sequel to be made. Carrie was offered the enormous sum at the time of $10 million to reprise his role as Stanley, but he turned it down. What? Carrie didn't want to just take a role for the sake of money. I guess, man. $10 million in probably 1995, though. That's crazy. That is pretty crazy. He didn't think he could bring anything new to the character. I get it. Just do the same thing. Probably funny again. Right. <laughs> probably funny again, but I can see what he's saying. Yeah, me too. And the idea of the sequel was scrapped until Son of Mask came out in 2005. <laughs> and let's all collectively forget that that is even a thing. Because yeah. that's the only thing that can tarnish this movie. Is there another point. one after that? Ah, uh, not to my recollection. I didn't run across anything that said that there was. Okay. I didn't know if the dog was ever in one. Like, not Milo, but I thought hmm. there was maybe one with a dog. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't know. That sounds, that's tickling something in my brain. That's tickling, <laughs> I'm going to have to look into that a little bit more. So, Trav, hit me with those final opinions. Well, the movie's awesome. Yes. Uh, super, super nostalgic, the entire movie, obviously. And I just want to say one line that we didn't say that I love when he's like getting ready with the yellow suit for the first time. He says, party, P-A-R-T-Y, cause I gotta. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to start saying that all the time. You're right. I should have put that one in there because that's a very, very good line. It's a good one. But uh, what do you think other than it's amazing, obviously? It's obviously amazing. It's iconic. It makes me think of my childhood. It puts me back in that headspace of 1994, being a prepubescent Drew that is watching too much TV, drinking too <laughs> much pop, and eating too many Cheetos. Oh, yeah. But, but, I love this movie, but I will not be showing it to my children anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Uh... I don't think... This movie holds up by today's standards. Yeah. I think it's a fine movie. I love it. I will I will watch it. I will show my children when they're in their mid-teens, well after 13. Right. But this movie could not get made today, I don't think. I don't think so. It's too overtly sexual. It's too rapey in some parts. Yeah, yeah. It's too... It pushes the boundaries of what a PG-13 movie can be. Right. And they would get told to cut out a lot of the funniness of this movie Agreed. that we can laugh at knowing that it's not appropriate for today's viewing consumption right, necessarily. Exactly. We can laugh at it. It's still funny to us, but it's not overly appropriate. And this movie would be something completely different made in 2024. Yeah. It wouldn't have nearly the heart. This movie's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of charm, you know, but it just you can't make it today. It's a product of its time. And I love it, but it doesn't hold up. I don't think it holds up. It'd be a dark, inappropriate horror movie starring Nicolas Cage. I love it. Let's make it, Trav. Let's make it. Let's make it. Did you have anything else you wanted to talk about with the mask? Nope. I'm good. All right. Well, let's head over to our homework assignment. And we are going back to the good old Nicktoons well once again. We are hitting up some more Rugrats since we had so much fun in the Halloween episode this year. We wanted to... Uh, 
get some more in there, and we're going to be starting from the beginning. We're doing Season 1, Episodes 1 and 2. And of course, Rugrats was created by Arlene Klasky and Gabor Caspo and Paul Germain. Voices of E.G. Daly, Christine Cavanaugh, Nancy Cartwright, Cheryl Case, Tara Strong, Kathy Susie, and Dion Kwan. That's a great name. Yeah. Theme music, uh, theme music composer Mark Mothersbaugh, executive producers Arlene Classy and Garber Cuscapo, released originally on Nickelodeon, and of course, original release date was August eleventh, nineteen ninety one. So the first My dad's ep- birthday, August nineteen, August eleventh, nineteen ninety one. Not. <laughs> he was not born. On 1991's <laughs> August 11th, but yes, August 11th is his birthday. So I heard this question today, so I'm going to ask you. Do you know anybody that shares the same birth month, day, and year? As me? Yes. Yes, I do. You do? We, we went to the same school. Yep. Born on the same day. Yep. Shout out to Tara Marks. Her and I have the same exact birthday, same exact day, June 26, 1989. Is she hot? Yes, she is. <laughs> I mean, I haven't seen her in a long time. But Terribly yeah. inappropriate question to ask. <laughs> That's interesting. I heard somebody ask that today, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know another person that I share my birthday with, not yeah. even the year. Yep. But that's very interesting that you do. I did not expect that answer, <laughs> Trav. I did not expect that answer. Okay, back to Rugrats. Back to Rugrats. Uh, as season one, episode one is Tommy's first birthday. So that's a fun one. I remember that one. Isn't that the one where he throws up in the throws up in the crib at the end of the night? I'm pretty sure he throws up in the crib at I the end of the remember. night. I remember. I think so. Uh, season two, episode two, is Barbecue Story or Barbecue. Okay. All right. And the second half of that one is Waiter, There's a Baby in My Soup or Baby in My Soup. I don't know why these episodes have two titles, yeah. but they do. 18 to 23 million. I don't know. It's just <laughs> confusing things. And then, Trav, before I uh, hand it over to you for the outro, I want to remind everybody, episode 51 next week is an appendix episode, and we're going to be talking about our favorite moments from the first 50 episodes Next week, we're going to have some top three, top five lists, lists on lists on lists. It's going to feel a little bit like the intro episode we did 50 episodes ago, but hopefully less cringy. Yeah. Do yourself a favor and go listen to that one. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Or do us a favor and don't. Or don't. That. Just go download it. Yeah, there you go. Just download it. Just that's, download that's, it. That's all we really need. <laughs> so next week, episode 51. What a joyous 50th episode, Trav, this has been. Yeah, super fun. Hit me with that outro. Outro. So we're going to get into some emails. And our first one is from Ipkiss, your butt goodbye, wants <laughs> to know our favorite Jim Carrey movie that we haven't covered yet. And it does not have to be 80s or 90s. Me, myself, and Irene. For sure. It's kind of a weak movie, but it's also really, really wacky and another Jim Carrey, very Jim Carrey movie. Very like it's, Jim Carrey. It it's kind of has some similarities to The Mask, if you kind of think about it a little bit. The two was personalities. That, but definitely. But that one wasn't portrayed as a kid's movie, right? No. I mean, no, it's PG-13 still or is it rated uh, no 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 it's gotta be rated it's r, rated r. <laughs> no no think about hanky panky it's gotta be rated yeah r. that's that's rated r for sure but that one's 2000 something yeah i, I would guess like probably oh three oh four something so, like that maybe oh one future extra credit maybe oh so. two could be oh five yeah maybe it's oh six 2001 somewhere <laughs> from 2000 and beyond definitely good extra credit yeah. i agree uh i put down 
When Nature Calls. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. I think that's in our intro episode. It's yes. one of my favorite yes. movies for sure. So I'm, we'll get to that. But obviously we got to do the first Pet Detective. Your balls are showing. Your balls are showing. <laughs> <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> Bumblebee tuna. Bumblebee tuna. <laughs> Hawk and loogies at each other. Yeah. I can't wait till we get to that one. Uh, so the next email here is from... Hurtin' for some Burton says, since this is the unofficial Jim and Tim podcast, what is the next Tim Burton movie that you're excited for? Next Tim Burton? Do we have a Tim Burton? We, ha- we have nothing planned, so it's just, what are you excited for? I would love to, I've said it before, I would love to do Beetlejuice. Yeah. I think that would be a really fun Tim Burton movie to do. I think that's the obvious one. That is the obvious one to do. And Wouldn't that be a good episode? Because that's what I put too. I was thinking, that's a good one to sneak in in our filler around Halloween and Christmas yes. in that November spot. Yes. Like either do it before the actual Halloween episode or the one right after the Halloween episode. In between Halloween it, and Christmas. Yeah. I like, like that. that. So, it's not quite Halloween. Right. But it's close. But it's, it's spooky. Tim Burton. It's, it's spooky. spooky. Burton. And it's bringing Michael Keaton back yeah. into our podcast, so that'll yeah. be fun. Um, Edward Scissorhands would be another I really good one to do. Because I've never seen that one. Oh, so. It's very artistic compared to a lot of other Tim Burton. I mean, all Tim Burton's movies are artistic, and there's definitely a vision there for what he wants to make. But Tim or uh, uh, Edward Scissorhands is about as close to like an art ho- art. An art house movie for the masses. Yeah. It's just, it's absolutely beautiful. The shots in it are epic. It's a really good movie. Nice. It's a really good movie. Plus the love affair. That's where the love affair with Johnny Depp starts with Tim Burton. Nice. Uh, next email is from Cheek Slapping Cold. Wants to know, did you ever want to live anywhere other than Minnesota as a kid? As a kid? Definitely. Definitely. Um, I always wanted to go like live in the upper northwest. Sure. So not too dissimilar, just mountains, kind of. Yeah. You know, I've always wanted to go live in the Upper Northwest, or if I had to choose a European country, I'd go kick it in England for yeah, sure. For that, sure, that'd be the place to go. London, yeah, 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 that yeah. would be sweet. How about you, man? Uh, I never really had desire to go live anywhere else as a kid. Okay, I've thought I would do like way more traveling than I've done in yeah. my life. I don't know between. I want to go to the UK at some point yes. for sure. Let's it'd go. Be awesome. We're going to go. <laughs> We're doing a live show in the UK. That would be epic. That would be damn <laughs> epic. But I will admit that Final Destination and Lost has scared me from planes. Somehow, oh, really? Somehow as a kid, I wasn't super scared. But now after watching Lost, I don't know. There's just I get this extra like... I do not want to fly over that much water. Well, when you make a when you make the flight to like London or something, just ask the booking agent, are you flying directly over any gigantic magnetic sources in the ocean? Because yeah, yeah. I'm not interested I'm in not spending really... the next few years in purgatory. No. I'm not, re- <laughs> not really looking forward to anything like that. Uh, but I mean I thought of like California or Florida or stuff, but I yeah, I don't know. I guess I didn't have any like huge college aspirations or to be like somewhere where i'd have to go to la to be successful or something and i always liked the seasons as a kid not that i don't now but now that i shovel my own sidewalk (laughs) i don't love it as much but 
Yeah, I love Minnesota. I love Minnesota too, and I don't plan on going anywhere. Once was, I got married and we had a family, I was like, this is where I want to raise my family. For sure. I don't want to go anywhere else. If I had to leave Minnesota, I'd probably go to North Dakota, honestly. Yeah, if yeah. I absolutely had to leave, maybe Iowa, I wouldn't go very far. Right. And if I had to go to a big city, I'd probably just dip to Chicago. That'd be the sure. that'd be the next closest big city. I'm not the Midwest for all you out there saying it's flyby country, yep. you don't know what it's like until you live here. You're wrong, it's okay? A, You're wrong. It's a special, special part of the country. Yes. Special part of the country. So this last one is just my question for Drew. Ooh. After 50 episodes, if you had to pick one, just one of our episodes to show some person who's never listened to one of our podcasts or the people over at... We make podcasts famous. Want to hear one episode <laughs> to see what we got? What would you pick? I would choose Top Gun. I think. Yep. It's just such a we we did such a good job on not to toot my own horn. Yeah. But, but that was a good episode. But I agree, and that was episode eight. I know. That's crazy. That's crazy. That was episode eight. Yeah. So I put that as honorable mention just oh, because eight. it's so, so far away, so damn long ago. But I I knew you would say that because that's what I would naturally yeah. say too. I just feel like. As much as we have fun doing these, our excitement level was insane for that one. It was. I don't know what it was. If it was just so 36 hours of Batman <laughs> and I finally got something different or what it was. I think that but was I, definitely I part I of it. I love that damn movie. And just watched it again recently so that I can watch Maverick with Lauren. Nice. And I saw that Top Gun 3 is in development. I hope it doesn't suck. I hope it doesn't suck. If it but, sucks, I'm going to be pissed. But Maverick was so good that it I was. feel like 3's got to be good. It's just Mission Impossible in airplanes the whole time. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> but still. But it's still amazing. It's still amazing. But, so, so I assumed you would say that, so I put Jurassic Park. Yeah, that was a, that would be a good episode to... To show people, I give an idea of what our podcast is about. That was really fun. That was pinnacle 90s, yes. you know, 93. I think it's a fairly longer episode of ours. I think that one and, over two hours, I and think. And I, I listened to it somewhat recently, and it was just a fun episode. I mean, it's not a comedy, so it's but it was a very fun episode. With that in mind, I think uh, having somebody watch or listen to our Mars Attacks episode would be a good example also. True. Because it's the far other end of what these episodes usually come out as. Yeah, you know? it's probably the only one where we've ragged on the, the content. Because it's terrible. Because it's so bad. <laughs> now every time I see someone on social media defend how good that movie is, I can't even... It's like, have You're you wrong. watched it in the last 20 years? <laughs> you ser- You watched it last week and it's your favorite. You're wrong. <laughs> You're wrong. <laughs> You're I wrong. I don't care how amazing the cast is. Uh, sorry, Jake. <laughs> so, so, sorry, Jake. Not Jake from Triple Falls. Not Jake from Triple Falls. Other, I'm sorry to you Jake. too, Jake, if you're pissed at me about something else in this. So sorry to you too. <laughs> we, we fucked something up. Uh, but yeah, I just want to say a huge thank you to all of our listeners for still tuning into these episodes after 50 episodes. Look out for that awesome bonus episode coming out next week. Which is, again, an intro-esque episode minus the cringe. And <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, make sure you find are following us on Instagram and Facebook at Overdue Homework Podcast. Email us, if you haven't already, at the new email, podcast at overduehomework.com. We need some emails. I don't care if you've emailed us before. Email again. S- send us another email. email any again. question, any suggestion. Please. I need some help with these emails. Florida, I'm talking to you. Florida, we're talking to you. Florida. International we're listeners, we're, we're talking, talking to, to you. you. Pissed off Mexicans after today's <laughs> episode, we're talking to you. Yeah. 
Uh, but yeah, uh, don't forget, as always, make sure you tune in to the next exciting episode of the Overdue Homework Podcast.